Hello, thanks for pressing play and welcome to The Next Frontline, the future of manufacturing, operational excellence, Industry 4.0, and the people building it. This is your host, Eric Dunn. Today, it is my pleasure to welcome Joachim Hens. Joachim is the CEO of the consulting firm that goes by his name, Joachim Hens Consulting. His firm supports operations leaders in their journey to develop smart manufacturing abilities with the digital tools and mindset of Industry 4.0. Before this, he worked for almost 25 years at Hugo Boss in various roles, such as Managing Director and Senior Head of Product Excellence, among many other roles. Now, Joachim, uh, what I found most impressive is that you actually started as a bespoke tailor. That's quite a journey. That's true. Uh, and my intention at that time, uh, which is, by the way, 1984, when I started this, uh, my intention was rather to open my own tailor shop in my own atelier um, in, in Cologne, in the middle of Germany, than, than being in the industry. And I was certainly not thinking about um, um, industry 4.0 or some <laughs> digital technologies like today. But what I learned at that time already is something that nowadays many people talk about, which is customer centricity. You know, when, when you work in bespoke, then you have exactly one customer and one product. And so the, you have a single piece flow. You have this thing that you're sitting on like for 40, 60 hours uh, doing everything by hand. And if the customer is not happy, there is no outlet for a second. There is no way that you can can sell this, you know. So, so you have to be absolutely to the point of customers' wants and wishes, and um, and that's cool. You know, I mean, that's that's something that I learned from from the beginning to be always uh, foc to focus always on on the on the customer. So yeah, say. and I imagine, I mean, it's been quite a journey, as I mentioned, since those days until where you are today. And in in every journey, there's yes. there's key events, decisions, or even just you know some lucky events that define your career. Can you share a few highlights? Yes, um, certainly. I mean, one, one uh, thing I can certainly say is that I always had the privilege to have good mentors. Uh, I mean, I had a couple, I had many, many bosses in my time in Izmir, in, in my time at Hugo Boss, but also before. And some were better, some were worse. But I had a couple of very um, supporting mentors in my life that, um, that gave me direction into what to do next and asking the right questions. So that is something that, I, that I'm very um, happy about looking backwards. Also, there, were, there was one moment in time when when was already uh, planning my own firm in, in, as an atelier, like Bespoke Couture, when I, um, I um, went into, um, into a fashion, like a competition in, um, in Berlin, and there was one of the professors saying, uh, listen, you are not made for, for Bespoke, you should go into the industry. Uh, you are too creative for this and you should really, really go there. And at that time, for me, this was absolutely not on my agenda. Uh, but I was happy that I followed him because nowadays I could not think like being a tailor somewhere in, in a small city um, sitting on the table. Uh, you know, I, that made me, this decision made me travel around the world, um, learned so many, many, many different things, um, which I'm still doing today. So, yeah. so um supporting me and pushing me into this direction was certainly one of the very important and things. instead of ending up working on a table on your own you ended up managing up to at least four thousand people in your latest role correct very true yes yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely and uh and and something that helped me there was uh that i knew 
basically how these people feel on the on the shop floor you know like when you have have you when you have started as a tailor and not studying economy then even if you're leading 4000 people you feel what they feel you know how this feels when you're under stress when quality is not coming when fabrics are not working well when the, the, the documentation is not well when you know you have you have all these you know this all through this all uh, these hierarchy levels up to the general management and that helps a lot um, um, having this empathy for the organizations especially when 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 making them do something differently which we did with this digital transformation yeah. i was reading some of your um articles and you have a lot of content both on your website on linkedin and you mentioned somewhere mm -hmm. that your hr motto is connect the dots and that your opex motto opex for operational excellence i mean is plan but then do and i'm very curious about yes what is the origin story of each of these mottos and you know can you share a few examples on when they help you make an important decision or something. Yes. So starting with connecting the dots. Um, what I really learned in my in my life was that uh, I can be as smart as I want. Um, there is always another smart person on this planet, which means like when when working smartly together, when building the right team, and I was always aiming for this A team. I mean, we know this US series um, of this A team of this group of specialists who are completely different in mindset and 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 uh, and knowledge, yet when put together can uh, can deliver extraordinary results. So this this kind of connecting the right people, the right skills, um, for the right project um, is is really a mantra for me. Um, which even today as a consultant, I always uh, do that. I, I always try to understand the. The people in an organization before even asking about the technology because that's actually something that drives a change and that drives success finding the right people for the right um, right positions in leadership as well as an expertise uh, on the shop floor as well in um, in management so connecting the right dots together is is a is a, is a big HR topic for me as a leader and also today as a mentor then um, another thing is the the um, plan, but then do. Uh, you, you, you find a lot of uh, interesting articles about Industry 4.0, Smart Factory, digitization, and so on and so forth. I mean, th there's lots of stuff um, available. You can watch endless YouTube videos and whatsoever. But traveling to Toyota doesn't make you a Japanese lean expert, right? right? So this plan, but then do is, um, is, is something that I learned... Um, when working with lots of different people and you want to really uh, have, a, have a result. You can, I mean, you must have a plan that is um, so convincing so that people want to follow you. As they say at Gora, uh, Goratex, they say, um, uh, if you want to become a leader, then find followers. So if you want to find followers, then you have to have a compelling story that people want to follow. That means you need to plan whatever if it is an execution plan or if it is if it is a visionary plan but you need to, to make a plan that people can say yes to that's one thing and then comes the execution and that is something that is equally important that when you have done your plan and people say yes to it that then you make sure that it actually happens because otherwise it's just like philosophy <laughs> you know when you especially in this in this transformation journey that we did in Izmir 
I first had to deliver something that the management and the people would say yes to, which was the smart factory story. And then I had to make sure that 4,000 people changed their minds and their way of working. So I could, I could not stay in this philosophical ivory tower saying we become super intelligent, digital and work with AI and whatsoever. I had to be really with my feet on the ground and make sure that all the projects and everyone is working into that direction. So that that's like delegation and control and really creating a plan, but then uh, making sure that it actually happens is what, um, I guess, what's creating the magic. A plan that people can say yes to. I really like that. I'm taking notes. Yes. Um, continue on this one. How do you, to use your own words, connect the dots between people, technology, and operational excellence? Hmm. I mean, one, one thing that uh, is very often forgotten is why, why uh, we do implement technology in the first place. And the, the implementation of Industry 4.0 and, um, and of technology is to, to enable people to do their job better, period. I mean, it's not about in, in making investments in, in fancy tech or whatsoever. It's, you have a set of people who, who produce a, a defined product and what all you do as a, as, a, as a leader is you make sure that the organization supports these people at best to do their very best. Which means like when you think about technology, and here comes a little bit my background from being a tailor. When youth invest in technology, then you start thinking from the consumer of this tech. You don't start in the IT department and in the, in the whatever structures and project management departments and such. You start by the one that is actually standing later on in front of a tablet or in front of a screen or in front of a keyboard and is looking for something. Um, Google has put this once uh, very nicely and said, okay, if you don't find what you're looking for, then we have a problem. Hmm. And I, I, I love this because this is exactly spot on what I see in some factories that they make installations of like dashboards and uh, uh, undone boards and they, they make nice and fancy uh, um, uh, tech implementations. And then you ask the people like, how is this helping you to do your job? And they say, I don't care. You know, I had, a, I had a conversation recently with, with a factory and, and, and they were so proudly showing me what they have installed there. And I just I said, okay, and they, wanted to, they wanted to show me like the, the dashboard. And I said, okay, please explain me this. And then they said, yeah, okay, let's go below this dashboard and I explained this. And I said, no, 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 wait a minute. This dashboard is made for this line and this line is like 15 meters long. Let's go to the end of this line and now you explain me what you see. And he started laughing because he could not see anything. It was like a, a, these were microscopic small numbers on a dashboard. That, that, and then I said, okay, so, so, I mean, you had a brilliant intention of helping people, yet you didn't start with the people. So, so that, that's something that I believe is super important when, when connecting these dots, like the consumer, the end user of this device, together with the project managers, together with the engineers and the IT department to then develop something that everyone can say, this is improving my life. You know, this is making me do my job better and off I go. And then we have winners. We have a lot of winners. We have more efficiency, which the CFO likes. We have more happy people on the shop floor because of maybe more bonus or something like that, or it's easier to work. And, uh, and, 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 and that's, that's what we want.
Absolutely. And now that we're diving into this subject of technology and making sure that it's not just for the shiny new object, but something that is really useful, what is, in your view, an interesting technology, or sometimes it's not just a technology, but a trend that you think will really make a big impact on how manufacturing will look like in, say, 10 years? Yeah, I guess that um, this this concept of the digital twin of organizations will will exponentially grow. Um, and the reason for that is that um, there are much more systems and sensors available for lower cost. When we in Izmir started this journey in 2015, uh, we, had, we, we were looking for sensors for machines, but the sensors were half the price of the machine. So there was no way that we would ever have a, an ROI calculation that, that, that we could go to the finance department and say, listen, we need this $100,000 for this tech. That has changed Dramatically nowadays, you get all the sensors and the software and the hardware that you need to to create this digital twin. And one part of this is also this real-time management of information. And I just recently uh, started and flirting with 3D uh, camera systems. You know, like uh, I have a, a 3D camera here and my Oculus Quest. So, so when I go into a factory, then I can make either videos or photos of this in three, 360 degrees. And, 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 and that for me is just spot on what we, what we should not do. We should not be fooled by technology. We should always use technology to support us in doing things better. Which means, coming from the initial, like the philosophy of Industry 4.0, the analog factory gives lots of digital information, like digital shadows and the digital twin of this physical factory. Then the digital twin gives trigger points to the management of the physical factory to run this. But not the digital is replacing the physical management. That's just not needed and it's also not, uh, I would not recommend to do that. It's another layer of improvement. Absolutely. And, and what would be, when people approach you, you say potential clients now in your consulting yeah. engagements and so on, um, and they might come with some preconceived ideas of what te cool technologies to adopt, what would be the first questions you ask these clients before you actually jump into um, any sort of implementation of Industry 4.0 practices? Yeah, the first question that I ask even before they become a client is, do you have a digital strategy and most of the prospects, most of the companies that I talk to, they say, honestly speaking, no. You know, I mean, there are lots and lots of organizations investing in tech, but very few, very seldom uh, do they actually think about this in the first place. Like, why do I do this and what do I need? Some people just read articles about whatever we have. Like, we have a quality issue. Ah, oh, I just read an article about the quality management software. Let's investigate in that and buy it. And then later on, they are surprised that it's not working or that it's not that the ROI is not coming as expected. So what I what I do with 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 the clients that I work with, and not just me but my team and me, um, we we create this digital literacy, like an, a basic understanding what digital actually means for them. And I'm not talking about investing in tech in the first place. First, understanding what digital actually does to them, in terms of the in terms of the um, transparency, in terms of flexibility, speed, cost, and, um, and then, of course, the, the easiness of use of technology. Then, when we have done this and when, when people start to 
create ideas around digital or digitized informations, then we talk about technology and then, uh, and then um, very often they have changed their mind in what they actually need because not everyone has to become the next SpaceX. Absolutely. And you know, we are not flying to yeah. the moon. And so now that digital literacy has become much more important than before, and this is just a question to wrap up our conversation, what advice would you give to a new or upcoming manufacturing leader today that you probably wouldn't have given 10 years ago? Yeah, I would, I would um, today, <laughs> it's a little bit provoking, but it's something that I, um, I saw um, on YouTube. It's a, it's a, it was a presentation from Peter Thiel and it was called uh, Competition is for Losers. And the reason why, I mean, it's a very interesting concept that he says, okay, if you are, if you are in a midtown city and you have like three uh, very well running Italian restaurants, then you should not fall into the trap to open the fourth one. You know, only because you see that these are doing great doesn't make you to do great as well. So the more you go you, to, to put yourself into competition against others in the same field, the, the, the more you are uh, very likely to lose. And what, my take on that was that excellence is also for losers. And, and the, the, the reason for this excellence is, because, um, don't get me wrong, I mean, we need excellent products and we need excellent services. But if you put this excellent expectation on top of everything that you do you're simply too slow simply too slow there are areas when it comes to innovation when it comes to really um, um, developing or um, exper experimenting around new technologies where excellence is the last that you should think about when you talk about later about implementation and operational excellence like when you're really in deployment phase then Uh, of course, you, you, you think about excellence, but putting this excellent model even in your R&D department, and that happens very often, even putting an excellence model into the initial calculation, like finance people requesting cost-benefit sheets that are like the third, uh, uh, th third letter behind the comma, then um, uh, past the comma, then, then, then you're killing lots and lots of great ideas because of this approach. So that I would definitely tell my future, my, my past Uh, today. That's very thought-provoking. And it made me think about, and I'm paraphrasing here, I think it was Peter Drucker who said that something on the lines of there's nothing quite as wasteful than doing with great efficiency something that should not have been done at all. <laughs> yes, very true. <laughs> I, I know this quote, uh, I know this sentence as well, and it's, it's so totally true. And especially in, in today's uh, times where digital um, developments and, and uh, are changing our life on one hand but also coming come uh, come so fast you know I mean if you if you start if you try to, to do everything in excellence um, then you will be gone and others will just bypass you within 50 or 60 or 70 percent quality product or um, uh, offering and that would be bad sad also. right Joachim with this note I really appreciate yeah. and I thank you for your time in this conversation Yes, thank you also. Thanks for Hope having me. Hope to have you back very soon. Thanks. Yes, sure. This podcast is brought to you by Rever, the frontline excellence platform. Rever 
is an easy-to-use app that connects your frontline managers and team members so you can solve issues at the source instead of catching up with overtime. With Rever, your frontline can expose hidden losses and problems, connect and guide the right people to solve them, and you get real-time visibility and automated recommendations to multiply the benefits. World-class companies like Mitsubishi Heavy Industries, Mars, GlaxoSmithKline and Grupo Bimbo use Rever to avoid safety incidents, to eliminate defects and to drive preventive maintenance to stop productivity losses. All of this driven by your frontline employees, not a few experts. That is frontline excellence. To activate the untapped potential of the frontline to elevate your people and performance with Rever. To learn more, visit reverscore.com to start your free trial. That is reverscore.com.